Welcome to Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz and my co-host, Rich Silverman. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Today, we have Jeff Gomez on the show. Jeff is the president and CEO of Starlight Runner, which is probably one of the best-known transmedia companies in the business today. He's behind such franchise pictures as Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean, and projects ranging from video games to all sorts of platform. On to the big news today. You might have heard of a little acquisition that took place in Hollywood between uh, George Lucas and the Walt Disney Company. Yep. George Lucas was spotted carrying a $4 billion check in the Magic Kingdom. With mouse ears on his head, of course. Definitely. And I think this is great news. Because if you look at the track record of Disney, they've worked with Pixar and it's worked with Marvel. They're consistently delivering high-quality entertainment. Disney's been involved with George Lucas for some time now. In fact, George Lucas initially offered Disney the uh, Star Wars, the first Star Wars movie back, I guess, in 1974 or 1975, back before Disney was the the huge juggernaut that we know today. And the, the property was a little bit too big and ambitious for Disney to handle then. And um, so, you know, Lucas went to 20th Century Fox with it, and the rest is history. But Lucas is a big Disney fan, and his the Star Wars movies are definitely infused with almost a sort of sensibility that those old Disney live-action movies from the 50s and 60s had. I'm thinking of uh, movies like Treasure Island and uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So it does it does make, make, make sense, and in some respect, Star Wars has kind of come home. Now it's time to talk to Jeff Gomez. Um, Starlight Runner is a New York-based um, uh, digital studio that specializes in the uh, development and production of intellectual properties across multiple media platforms. Um, uh, the, uh, the clients that we service are some of the, the biggest uh, Hollywood studios and, um, and, and blockbuster feature films in the world. Uh, we also work with video game companies on AAA console uh, video games, helping to extend those storylines across uh, all kinds of different media platforms and um, publishers. We do some geopolitical work. It's uh, an amazing um, new space that we're working in. I kind of came to um, uh, working um, uh, in this space. This It's called transmedia, the transmedia space, uh, through my interest in uh, comic books and uh, video games and monster movies and fantasy novels. When I was a kid, I loved the idea of uh, uh, fully realized, carefully sustained fictional worlds. I would get lost in them and, and um, uh, would also be curious about how to build them. And uh, I studied this in, uh, in high school and college. I played a whole lot of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and um, uh, eventually I, I went on to become a comic book editor for Valiant Comics and a video game developer for Acclaim Entertainment. And um, uh, I, I had some hits with these two uh, companies that enabled me to raise some funds and form Starlight Runner in 2000. Um, from there, we can talk about uh, some of the projects I've worked on, but they include um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, they include uh, James Cameron's Avatar, uh, uh, Transformers for Hasbro, uh, Halo for Microsoft, uh, just an amazing array. Um, uh, more recently, Men in Black even for uh, Sony. You gave a presentation at the Story World Conference about the Ten Commandments of 21st Century Franchise Production. What were some of the main takeaways? Um, the, um, the big challenge um, in, in Hollywood 2.0 and, and in, in the um, uh, new uh, sensibility around developing intellectual properties that are big is the fact that um, uh, that the same two hours of content, even the same eight hours of content, if you're talking about a video game, um, it's, it's not going to last much longer than that amount of time. Um, we, we're no longer in a society that is uh, experiencing repeats um, and just watching uh, or experiencing the same story over and over again. Um, the, the big studios are coming to realize this 
And, um, and so they, they want to be able to leverage their investment better um, into these story worlds, the worlds that are uh, uh, the subject of these uh, fantastic movies. Uh, in order to do that, a new methodology for the development and uh, extension of those story worlds is necessary. And, and um, uh, how to do that and what to observe in doing that um, are listed in these uh, Ten Commandments of uh, 21st Century Franchise Production that I talked about at Story World. I'm interested that people don't want to see the same story repeated over and over again on different platforms. They much prefer a story world that expands, building out of itself. Similarly, how a TV viewer much rather watch a new episode of their favorite show instead of a rerun. Um, that's exactly true, and... and um in, in this day and age, there's so much uh, selection, so many places to go that um, that repeat uh, viewing is less tolerated uh, these days. Um, uh, e even a, a little kid uh, will, will only watch uh, a show, uh, you know, maybe two or three times instead of a dozen times because there's something else to watch, um, whether it's on their... Uh, iPad, tablet, or, or some other place, and, and that's, um, uh, that's something that has to be taken into consideration by the content uh, producer. A lot of this seems to me to be about the, sorry, the financial motives for exploding a story world out across multiple platforms, but what about some of the creative motives on the actual content creator's part, who, who is, of course, going to be worried about making money, but also might have you know, other other motivations involved in blowing out a story world. Uh, well, that you know, that's the fun for us. Um, imagine uh, what I what I get to do is I can work with a a film director or a film producer or even a studio executive who is is young enough to understand or young at heart enough to understand that the canvas for telling stories has increased um, exponentially. So, so now um, you can tell a story the way that a composer assembles a, a symphony of, of sounds and themes and instruments uh, together to create a larger story world. Um, so the, the art, and we're seeing this in, in um, producers like Kevin Feige, and uh, um, storytellers, directors like Joss Whedon, is that um, uh, they're not just looking at an individual movie anymore. They're looking at how that movie fits in context with many movies or even with a, a, an entire multiple media platform story world uh, that unfolds all around us across every platform. And that's... Um, uh, that's a new artistic frontier that's only begun to be explored. There, there's certainly still a lot of question marks in, in the transmedia space. One of them that always comes to my mind when I'm working on these kinds of projects is the depth of the, the stories that you're delivering across these multiple platforms. I, I like your, your symphony analogy, but uh, one, one of the issues is if I don't see, tune into all the different transmedia components of something, and it's so intricately layered out over these multiple platforms, and I miss a piece. How much story am I going to miss? And how do we as storytellers make sure that the story is what I like to call holistic enough, where if I miss a couple pieces, it still all makes sense? Uh, that's a great question, and um, um, it, it certainly um, would, would haunt me when I was a kid and, uh, and I missed uh, an issue of my favorite comic book <laughs> or an episode of my favorite TV series. Um, it would just drive me crazy. And, um, uh, but but that's, that's a good kind of crazy <laughs> because you, you want to, you, you know that you're, you're in love with this world and, um, and there's a kind of collector mentality that drives you to want to um, uh, pick up all those pieces. That's good for the, the, the studio and the licensees and so forth. Um, but we do advise our, our clients um, to try and make certain that each 
part of the story, each piece that's going out there, uh, have a, a kind of self-contained element to it, a beginning, middle, and end that makes sense and is accessible um, to most of the potential fan base, most of the audience. Um, that way, if something is missed, um, it, it's, it's not so critical as to damage your experience of the overall story world. It reminds me how certain TV shows right now have like the self-contained episodes, and then they have the ones that go on for these big arcs. So it's kind of like the X-Files where you had the monster of the week versus the, the long-running story of Mulder's uh, you know, sister going missing. So it's kind of a balancing act to do it right. Exactly. That, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, another is, is really kind of interesting, and I think we're going to see more of. Uh, there was a, a stretch of webisodes created for Battlestar Galactica. This is real transmedia implementation. Um, the episodes covered the experience of Geta, who is a kind of third-string character who always lingered in the background on the bridge of the Galactica. Um, these episodes um, gave us his perspective on everything that was going on. And it was a wildly different perspective than we might have imagined. Um, it revealed, for example, that he was gay. It revealed that he had uh, a great deal of resentment toward certain characters um, and toward the decisions that were being made in the greater show. By watching these webisodes, um, we got a different view. It, it threw the whole rest of the TV series into a slightly different light. Um, so if we watched them, we enjoyed that different perspective but if we didn't watch them, it didn't make that big a difference. Um, uh, it, it, um, it, it added to the experience to enjoy those webisodes, but it didn't detract from the experience not to see those episodes, those webisodes. It's the, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern uh, storytelling model. There you go, exactly. How do you compare and contrast how Marvel and DC harness the value of their IP? Um, yeah, well... Um, <laughs> When, um, when I talked about it at Story World, uh, the Ten Commandments of, of Transmedia, of, of, of 21st Century Franchise uh, Production, um, the, the uh, approach that, um, uh, that, that this philosophy, this mode of, of thinking takes is that you have, um, with these rich worlds like Star Wars or, or the Marvel or DC Universe, uh, you have many characters who kind of coexist in the same story world. And they even have their own sub-worlds uh, that, 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 um, that they live within and, um, and that you can enjoy as a, a portion of a greater story world. There are the adventures of Luke Skywalker, uh, which don't really overlap all that much with the adventures of Darth Maul. <laughs> um, but they exist within the same story world. Um, uh, what, what Kevin Feige at uh, Marvel Studios has realized is that you can implement um, uh, a, a series of movies and you can align all these different uh, media around those movies and have a rich story world that thrives on itself and thrives on our interaction with it on a, a grander and grander level. So you have the movies that are all interlock, Avengers, Captain America, Thor, but you're also going to have a TV series called S.H.I.E.L.D. that is set in the same story world. Uh, you may not even see Iron Man or Hulk in the TV series, but you'll know um, uh, that, uh, that it's set in that world, and that increases, somehow it increases our enjoyment of it because there is a consistency, a coherence, to uh, this, this kind of uh, grand narrative. Now, the, the way that Warner Brothers has handled the DC universe is a little more old school. That's not to say it's wrong, but um, it is not necessarily leveraging the equity of an entire uh, rich story world when you are giving a single auteur like Christopher Nolan uh, licensed to do whatever he wants with Batman, okay? In this case, with Batman and Christopher Nolan, Warner Brothers lucked out. 
Uh, Christopher Nolan is a visionary director, and he gave us uh, three remarkable uh, films, and they made uh, you know over a billion dollars altogether, uh, or actually more than that, uh, two billion perhaps, and um, and then it's over. Okay, so it, it goes away, and there is no impact on any other movie. Or, or no overlap into the comic books or video games or, or things like that. It's just kind of this self-contained thing. And the problem with that is that um, you have a Green Lantern movie or a Wonder Woman t television pilot that stands or falls based on its, its own uh, talent and its own narrative, its own separate pocket universe that, um, uh, that doesn't interact. The, 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 the problem with that is that, um, that this, the story world is inconsistent, it's not coherent, it's not supporting itself and building a head of steam that all of us can enjoy. Um, so um, uh, the Warner Brothers and the DC Universe currently are not scoring very well in this 21st century mentality of franchise production. I wonder if that's something that they're looking to address or if they look at the success of the Chris Nolan Batman films and go, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The problem with that is that Christopher Nolan's done. Um, so now they have to start from scratch with Batman. Well, what do they do? Do they sequelize uh, Nolan's uh, trilogy? Um, I don't know how likely that's going to be. Um, do, do they uh, create a Justice League movie and relaunch all their characters through a single film uh, without building much brand equity in some of the lesser-known characters? Well, that's a way to go. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very open uh, for them, and, and we'll be fascinated to see what choices they make. What are some examples when the creators fail, when they miss the essence of their brand? Uh, yeah, um, the number one uh, commandment in, in our Ten Commandments of, of 21st Century Franchise uh, Production is to know the essence of your brand and never stray from it. Um, it is amazing to me that, that we continue to this day uh, to encounter um, uh, 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 studios or, or clients that, that own a very important and, and um, an iconic brand, but don't quite understand what makes it tick. And, um, and so they engage screenwriters or producers who, um, uh, who may or may not know. Um, and the gamble is taken, a gamble that involves hundreds of millions of dollars and potentially a billion or more dollars in revenues a gamble is taken on, on, um, on a very few uh, uh, people. Uh, it could be even just one screenwriter. Um, and, and this is, uh, it's hard for us at Starlight Runner to imagine uh, giving that kind of power to someone who doesn't even work directly uh, uh, for you <laughs> uh, over, over a, a franchise like this. We're talking about Catwoman's blink laws or, uh... <laughs> uh, you said that, not me. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, well, there was a in Catwoman. They had a whole new take on it, and it didn't really score well. And the the fans didn't like the the blink claws. Well, there's a lot of different parts of it that were inconsistent. Did they like the suit at least? The suit probably had a high rating. Well, if it's Catwoman, uh... that's the most important thing. <laughs> Uh, it, it, that's an example of, of not quite understanding the, the archetype and the essence of, um, of, of a certain brand or sub-brand. <laughs> there, there, there's certainly no shortage of uh, egos and experts in Hollywood. This is true. Uh, this is true. And, and you know, um, a part of what Starlight Runner has to navigate um, are those egos and, and those sensibilities. And the way that we do that is um, uh, by first making sure that we, are, uh, that everybody is on the same page with regard to uh, the brand essence. Um, uh, once you understand the, the owner of the, of the property or the, the, the key producer, 
um, has a sense of what makes the, the property tick and can share that with everyone, um, at least that, that all uh, sets us in agreement about um, the direction that the franchise should, should go. Um, uh, so it's not necessarily that Starlight Runner is dictating uh, what these stories ought to be about or, or what the, um, um, uh, the essence of the brand is. It takes a lot of study, a lot of conversation, a lot of collaboration. Directors are considered the visionary behind a feature film. Who is the visionary behind a story world that could lead a film franchise for years to come? Um, it, uh, that's a great question, and so much of it depends on, um, on what the source is. Um, if, if you're relying on a, um, a, a comic book universe that has existed for, for 50 years, um, uh, you know, that, that's uh, often the purview of the key stakeholder at the, uh, at the comic book company. Who, who understands fundamentally what that character is about. That's the magic of, of how brilliantly Kevin Feige is, is working at, at Disney uh, because he has a direct line into uh, the essence of the, the Marvel uh, brand. Um, uh, but sometimes, like in the case of Star Wars, um, th that whole thing is going to be inherited. Um, so. Um, while George Lucas was the, the visionary behind Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy is going to become the custodian of, of the Star Wars universe. And uh, ultimately, we feel she uh, will be where the, the buck stops. So although they've hired an excellent screenwriter to write uh, episodes 7, 8, and 9, um, it is uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy who is ultimately going to arbitrate how the entire story world uh, continues to operate around those movies over the, the coming years. I'm sure that, that Michael Arndt, who is a great choice, maybe the perfect choice to write these movies, understands all of this too. We, we love it, and, uh, and I think he does, and, and, uh, and, and that's going to make him a great partner um, in, in, uh, in this thing. Our, our second commandment is the story world is unstoppable and rules overall, meaning no individual um, uh, can, can single-handedly arbitrate uh, where this, this entire massive franchise is, is going. Uh, they just have to realize that it's going to go, uh, in essence, forever. And, and that it needs to be served with, with great talent. What if there's a flaw in the story world? That, that you're, you're chugging along for a few years on something, and then there's a bump on the road, and you don't even see the bump, and then a couple of years later, oh boy, that was a mistake to, to, to make this part of the canon. Do you ignore it? Do you address it? What, what, what do we do with Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> Well, guys, uh, I love th this interview because you're you're kicking my butt. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, Starlight Runner encounters this uh, sometimes when we work for video game clients, right? Um, the 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 video game uh, uh, story world that's built for, say, a first-person shooter game. Or, or, um, or, or any game that, that has to uh, kind of push you through um, a, a series of decisions um, in, in order to destroy something and, and, and what have you. It's inherently limited with regard to things like character development, um, with regard to, to personal drama. That's changing uh, more recently, but, um, uh, uh, but when we get a video game client that wants their story world to be able to successfully traverse um, other media so that it makes for good novels or good television or good movies. Um, we have to suss out what the flaws are in, in the narrative so that we can fix those things and, uh, and help the client to prepare these characters and, and, and this story world for other media. You got to have a good foundation, and you got to fill in those cracks. 
Uh, absolutely. Sometimes um, the, the story world in a video game is hyper-complex uh, because um, a vast amounts of information uh, need to be conveyed and, um, and game developers have a, a, a very uh, detailed mind when it comes to these, these worlds. Uh, and we find ourselves having to, to simplify the narratives a, a little bit or clarify them in order for screenwriters to be able to best grasp what is most powerful and resonant about these uh, uh, game worlds uh, and make them good movies or TV shows. I know, I played a couple games and I couldn't remember the titles to tell you, but we're like two thirds of the way through the game, halfway through the game, I just throw up my arms and give up even trying to follow what's going on. These things get so convoluted and techy. I just go, eh, I just want to shoot stuff. <laughs> but, but check out um, the, uh, some of the, the strongest news items in, in the proliferation of media about Halo 4 has to do with uh, a rather intimate uh, aspect of the game, the relationship between uh, the hero of the game, who you portray, and he's Master Chief, and uh, Cortana, this little artificial intelligence character who is a, a female who um, we rapidly learn is, is not feeling very well. <laughs> um, and and that's, uh, that's actually kind of a, a touching story at the heart of this huge and very violent uh, video game. It's about managing the experience between uh, bringing it to a new platform and making sure that individual experience in that platform is the best possible without diluting... Uh, why people liked it the story initially in the first place. That's absolutely true. And, um, and the beauty in something like Halo 4 is that um, that's a, a story element that you can talk about with a non-game player um, because it's an interesting concept and it's a touching concept. And when you're able to do that, you are going to be able to interest a movie producer you are going to be able to interest uh, a, a, an excellent, a top-notch uh, book writer uh, because that's something that they can play with. We are talking about the importance of story worlds ruling over everything. Currently, for film franchises, is it getting better or worse? I think that, um, that we're starting to see some, some really interesting developments. And I don't think it's a, co a coincidence that... Um, uh, that there is a, a class of artist that is coming into its own that uh, has grown up in, in a kind of multimedia environment. Um, uh, so people in their, their 20s and 30s are writing the new James Bond film or writing the new uh, uh, Star Wars films or writing these, these Marvel uh, uh, spectacles um, and, and they're sensitive to the balance of story world development and compelling uh, character uh, development. And, and so I think um, a, a lot of what we're seeing is, is kind of decent, you know, it's kind of pretty good. Um, look, look at the evolution of storytelling between the, the older Twilight movies and the new Hunger Games uh, film, um, uh, where, where we're getting um, a, a character who is significantly more aspirational in some ways uh, than, than the Twilight uh, uh, heroine. Um, uh, a character who is granting access in Katniss Everdeen uh, to boys. You know, dudes are, are enjoying uh, Katniss and they're discovering her not even necessarily through the novels or the movie, but through the online implementation, the transmedia that surrounded the movie. Um, let guys know that it's okay uh, to come and, and watch uh, Hunger Games. Most of the work that Starlight Runner does and what you've been talking about is about franchises. What about transmedia for properties that are not franchises? To me, just my quick two cents on it, is that there's some, some missed opportunity here to, to blow out a transmedia universe around films or books that it's just a one-time film or book keeps people engaged um, adds additional content so what if there's not going to be another movie why not keep it alive and evergreen 
Um, I, I think that's a wonderful point, and um, and it's a point that that um, that we address here at the company at Starlight Runner um, all the time. Um, uh, look, the it, it, even if you're going to create a, a drama that is a, a, a small-scale drama, or or you want to create a documentary, um, or a, um, uh, a a television miniseries. The, uh, or, or even a personal artistic project, you have to uh, understand that um, that that film and video need to be recontextualized. Um, uh, we need to understand that that um, that even a personal film, even a small scale uh, uh, film, um, is going to be perceived uh, amidst an ocean. Of pervasive communication, social media, um, and, and so forth. It's it's no longer standing alone. It's adjacent to to all this other media. So what can you do to draw attention to it? Well, you need to grant people access points. You need to 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 be like the storytellers um, a, a couple of hundred years ago, who would come to town and start talking about the story with people individually, engaging um, uh, people and getting them interested in the fact that this story is coming. Um, in fact, the story sometimes starts before the story proper uh, begins. Um, that's what technology affords us um, uh, to this day, uh, uh, right now. Um, it hasn't in quite a while, um, but, but now we can, um, we can do that. And, um, and so we advocate the use of some of these multi-platform techniques, uh, this transmedia storytelling, around um, uh, smaller projects. And we've worked on a, a lot of them. Are there any that you can talk about? Well, sure. Um, uh, we um, recently uh, finished work on uh, Battle Castle. <laughs> um, that's a documentary series um, that was created in Canada about medieval castles, um, and uh, uh, the 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 angle there was not just to explore these castles architecturally, but to explore the theme of the fact that um, that these castles were homes. Um, and one thing that the transmedia could do that the documentary couldn't do as well is um, is to personalize it. And, and get you uh, direct, more directly involved in the exploration of the history behind these castles and um, uh, the battles that were waged around these castles and um, uh, the, the familial context, what, what it was like to actually just live there. And um, uh, it, it really, uh, I think, was pulled off successfully. There were flash games um, and uh, uh, story guides and um, and historic uh, texts with video supplementing the, uh, the the TV series and so forth. A lot of fun. Is that material still out there? Oh yeah, yeah. All you have to do is uh, is look up uh, Battle Castle, um, and uh, on on Google, and you'll find it. You're constantly meeting with so many creative visionaries when you're launching various franchises. What are some of the most important questions you ask them as you start building the roadmap for their story world? Um, uh, again, really cool question. Um, uh, the, the first thing that has to be established with, um, with a franchise visionary is that they need to be able to trust us because we're, we're kind of, you know, um, uh, helping in the construction and the surgery that, that's going on um, uh, with this very precious um, uh, creation. If, if they don't think that, that we know what we're doing, and if they don't think that, that we care deeply about the, the health and welfare of the story world, they're not going to want to work with us. Um, so those initial conversations um, have a lot to do with gleaning the essence of their vision and, and understanding their uh, perception and understanding of, the, of the, the property, what it is that they have to say. 
Um, once we've established that, um, uh, they become very powerful advocates for us uh, when it comes to their producers, the studio, and the people who are working for them to, to put together the content. Uh, we, we get kind of grandfathered into um, the video game development uh, of the property or, or the, uh, the, the novelization or even the toys and, and things like that. Uh, because we are trusted by the uh, franchise uh, visionary. So, so that's, that's really the first thing. The second thing is that we show them uh, that we're not afraid of information and, and we start absorbing um, uh, thousands of, of uh, gigabytes of, of content. Uh, every image, every uh, iteration of the script, um, everything that everyone has to say about the story world, we, we take it in so that we can make sense of it all. And when you face all these different people from various departments and industries, what is, like, when you're, when you're just trying to engage them, what is the biggest criticism you heard about transmedia storytelling, and what is your response? <laughs> Um, well, the, the initial criticism was that there's no such thing as transmedia storytelling. <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, and of course, uh, we're, we're, I think all of us are fortunate in that um, the, the efficacy of, of these techniques are becoming uh, brilliantly known. Uh, there are uh, companies uh, going out there and, um, and giving uh, case studies. Um, uh, uh, Microsoft has done this with Halo. Coca-Cola has done this with um, their liquid storytelling and their happiness factory implementation. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be involved with, with both of those uh, projects. But, um, but they're showing the world that, that uh, transmedia storytelling exists. Um, so, the, um, the, the criticism or the problems that, that we run into uh, more recently um, are, well, isn't transmedia storytelling a marketing technique? Isn't this a fancy way of advertising um, your movie? Well, our response is, absolutely, it can be uh, a fantastic way of advertising uh, a feature film. Um, we, uh, we saw this with, um, with Prometheus. Um, I, I don't think uh, there's been a better uh, a transmedia uh, a marketing campaign this year than, than for Prometheus. Um, the, the problem experienced by the guys who did that, that campaign was that, um, that they were strictly marketing, which means that they didn't have access to the filmmakers. They didn't have access to the screenwriters, the visionaries. They were hired by the marketing division of 20th Century Fox to do their job. Um, had they uh, been a part of the uh, development process from the beginning, um, uh, we might have seen um, uh, fantastic transmedia, but also we might have seen a movie that gelled more organically with that transmedia. Uh, a, a movie that could have been influenced by the, uh, the, the uh, multi-platform implementation. It could have been a more uh, uh, popular uh, or accessible film. Um, and, and that's the, the beauty of, of the addition of these kinds of techniques to the um, uh, process of making um, uh, great content. Um, so the, the challenge is to move away from being brought in late in the game in marketing and uh, being brought in much earlier in the development and production of the content so that um, uh, all of this um, story world can manifest itself in a more organic, intrinsic, and fascinating way. Yeah, this is a problem I've, I've run into over the past few years numerous times. I, I've been brought into consults on movie properties, doing transmedia for them, and you ask, well, when's the movie coming out? And it's like inevitably next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Not that bad, but, but sometimes close. How do, we, how do we educate 
the the executives in Hollywood to bring us into the process sooner? Um, it, it is. Uh, it, it's been a part of one of the biggest parts of of my job uh, to uh, over the past several years to do exactly that. Um, it's one of the reasons why we uh, why we came out with something as as kooky as the, the Ten Commandments of twenty first century franchise production. Which, by the way, if you look that up on uh, Business Insider or even in Google, you'll you'll find uh, all of the ten. Uh, commandments and and a description of them, and and what's really going on with that is is that we are um, persuading, and and by the way we're we're successful at this. We are successfully, slowly, <laughs> uh, persuading um, studios and um, uh, brand owners, large corporations, um, uh, to. Um, uh, bring these techniques into the uh, development and production of content much earlier um, and to incentivize stakeholders behind the strategy so that um, uh, um, so that people have a reason to uh, to want to help tell the story instead of advertise the product um, and the, the only way to do that is by uh, establishing a transmedia producer of sorts or, or a, a, an element, a creative element early in the process that can help um, uh, uh, to extend and communicate the story world um, in, the, in the greater context of, of pervasive media rather than just through uh, television or just through a movie. At, at the end of the day, good sense wins. And when I was reading through the Ten Commandments, I just kept nodding my head and going, you know, just it makes sense. It, it just makes sense. You know, we, we've had executives um, uh, look at this and go, um, you know what, um, we're, we're annoyed <laughs> by this, but it is correct <laughs> we we don't want to be ordered around by the likes of you but what it has to say is is right and um, and the problem is that these uh, these corporations are high heavily siloed um, they're not built uh, to um, uh, uh, to do this kind of development and to extend these kinds of narratives uh, across their divisions and operate in concert, uh, but we're also being told that that has to change. Um, so it's it's hugely encouraging um, uh, by both our, our clients and and some companies who are not our clients um, are, are looking at this and going there there is a, a very powerful point to this. And although a lot of it is just you know reasonable and logical. Um, it's not something that we're doing enough. We have to do more, and um, uh, and so that's um, that's begun to to actually happen. It's very exciting. As transmedia techniques are becoming embraced in the entertainment industry, where will the future transmedia storytellers come from? Uh, that's that's great. Um, the um, um, uh, what's interesting is that um, I have to keep. Uh, my ear to the ground when it comes to this sort of talent. You know, we can't be shown up here at Starlight Runner. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I travel to uh, high schools and colleges uh, across the country, and what's amazing is that um, there are a number of professors who who come up to me and say, you know, my students are handing in their term papers or their theses um, um, on multiple media. And, um, and it's amazing because uh, when they do it well, it is the most immersive and powerful communication of their ideas that I could possibly imagine. Um, sometimes it's not done that well uh, because um, young people have a hard time uh, creating user-friendly interfaces that will allow people to navigate across different media platforms and understand what it is that they're enjoying. So it becomes fragmented and, um, and hard to make sense out of. 
Um, so uh, what we're encouraging and what we're seeing in professors like Henry Jenkins at USC um, is, is teaching. That transmedia technique is being taught. Um, and, and that's wonderful because it's taking uh, some natural talent from, from, an a, from a, a, a generation of kids who are growing up in this pervasive media, and it's uh, harnessing it and teaching it how to do this uh, really well. Uh, we're also seeing um, uh, organizations like the Producers Guild of America and the Writers Guild of America uh, giving classes on uh, transmedia storytelling and, um, and essentially opening uh, people's eyes to the resources that are out there and uh, to the techniques that are, are uh, coming into prominence. Um, and, uh, and so we have, uh, I think of the Producers Guild, there may be uh, uh, 25 or 30 transmedia producers have joined in the last two years, uh, maybe more. And we're seeing um, uh, transmedia producers pop up all around the world. Um, uh, some of them spontaneously from meetup groups and organizations that are setting themselves up in cities around the planet. It's, it's really amazing. As transmedia techniques are becoming more popular, are there enough journalists at award shows that promote this art form and to recognize the creators so the fans have a new appreciation for these experiences and the people who create them? Um, that, that's interesting. Um, uh, it, it's, I, I believe that we're going to, to see um, the rise of, of a new kind of rock star. Um, uh, the, the way that um, uh, we saw um, uh, comic book creators uh, become celebrated in the 80s and 90s, uh, where you got your Frank Miller um, and you, you got your... Um, uh, you know, your uh, Jim Lees, the, uh, the, the comic book artist, um, who, who are then moving on to other media and being successful there. Um, I, I think we're going to see um, uh, a, a kind of uh, rise of a, a, a transmedia artist, um, a, a storyteller who, um, by design, is telling his stories across uh, an array of uh, media platforms. Uh, I, 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 I feel like uh, James Cameron is aspiring to this with Avatar and that we're going to see an amazing uh, multi-platform um, uh, manifestation of Avatar for the second and third films. And even a, a theme park experience at the there Disney's Animal uh, Kingdom, it looks like. Absolutely. And, and, um, and it's funny... Um, you're, you're not just going to see a, a reiteration of scenes from the movies in, in, those, in that theme park attraction. You're going to see aspects of Pandora that, um, uh, that nobody's seen before. Um, so you're going to learn something new about the story world when you visit that attraction. Um, that's real uh, transmedia storytelling. That's, um, uh, that, that's what makes it cool. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up this episode. But do you have any final words of wisdom for storytellers out there? Sure, sure. Well, thank you so much for this. It's, uh, it's been an amazing conversation and, and one unlike uh, most that I have, where I'm, I'm still just kind of teaching the basics to, uh, to journalists and, and podcasters. Uh, so thank you, guys. You're welcome. But, um, thank you for talking uh, to us. Uh, when in, in talking to the the audience out there, um, uh, I, I have to just try again to convey how exciting uh, this moment in time is, uh, because you are seeing, um, uh, in, in essence, the development of a new uh, form of artistic expression, uh, the ability to use uh, uh, multiple media platforms in concert to convey an overall narrative, a story. And um, um, uh, there, there, there isn't, it's not just guesswork. There are specific techniques that you can use and, um, and it's not too late to become an expert. Um, there's, there's already been plenty written on, uh, on transmedia narrative, transmedia production out there that you can find 
almost all of it is free on the internet. Um, uh, all you have to do is follow the hashtag transmedia on Twitter uh, to see two or three really good articles every single day uh, uh, come up. Um, uh, and, and this can allow you to familiarize yourself with uh, something that uh, isn't just going to be a buzzword. It's just going to be how things are done <laughs> in the next few years. Um, you can call it transmedia, you can call it whatever you want. It's just the way that, that things are going to happen. So, so follow that hashtag. Uh, follow me at Jeff underscore Gomez. That's Jeff underline Gomez on Twitter. And, um, uh, and if you have questions, feel free to, uh, to zap them out to me that way. Um, there's also uh, the Starlight Runner Entertainment Facebook page, which you can join and see all the news. Um, one of the biggest pieces of news um, uh, is that we are helping to uh, develop a transmedia incubator here in the Maiden, New York uh, uh, facility uh, in, in Brooklyn. Um, this will help entrepreneurs and students come to understand uh, transmedia practice. And, um, and it will stand as a model uh, for uh, these kinds of incubators, these kinds of facilities all around the world. Um, so, so much of what we're doing and building here in New York, we want to give away in some way so that um, there is an abundance of knowledge about these practices, not some kind of rarefied, I can do it and you can't kind of uh, attitude, which is so 20th century. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. You can check out Rich Silverman, my co-host, at richsilverman.com. You can check me out at peterkatz.net. Feel free to contact us. We appreciate audience feedback. 